Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time. Living Paranormal. Real stories. Real investigators. No scripts. From legend to hauntings. Good evening, everybody. My name is Rob. And I'm Jason. And welcome to Living Paranormal. Guys, great to be back after a little bit of a longer hiatus than I think either of us actually anticipated at that point. Uh, But we are very, very happy to be back live and on the air here at our normal place and time. Jason, how was your last, uh, what, now three weeks since we've, two weeks since we've had a show, but I think about three weeks since you and I've talked. Yeah, man. Longtime listeners will know that I was studying for my CCNA. I just had the test this Friday and I passed. Woohoo! So now I'm a Cisco certified, so I'm certifiable. But uh, yeah. Well, it's good to see the crib notes paid off. I told you it worked, man. <laughs> yeah, no Every kidding. time. Every time. I, uh, uh, what do you call it? No, I, I, I left existence from this planet for a while. I was kind of like in another world or realm just studying like crazy in a world full of EIGRP and pings and ARP requests and craziness. But I'm back. We're good to go. My hair is a little wild and crazy right now on camera. If you're seeing this on YouTube, you'll see what I mean. We do have it up. But uh, yeah, no, other than that, everything's been great, man. How have you been? Oh, you know, man, just uh, getting ready for the big knee surgery coming up the first of next month. So kind of stumbling through right now, if that makes any sense at all. But you know what? I'm still on the north side of the turf, as my dad used to say. So I guess I'm doing a little (laughs) bit all right. Um, Did have a nice little treat this morning, though, man. I got um, first thing this morning, my my fiance, the longtime listeners know that I am in the process of getting married again. And uh, she actually made homemade cinnamon rolls this morning. When I say homemade, I don't mean like homemade from a can. She actually made the dough herself, let it rise, put all the layers together, baked it to perfection, made homemade glaze the works. Man, they were amazing. Oh, nice. Very so nice. Good. Yeah, so very good. nice. That's awesome. I wish I could do that. Now, I, uh, that's, you should need to start a restaurant or a bakery or something like that, Rob. Y'all need to do something with that. You know, know, don't laugh. I thought about it. I could do the steaks and she could do uh, you know any of the other stuff that we add on because I am a, a – quite a uh, a grill hand i guess you could call it at this point so uh, yeah i mean that's uh that's definitely future careers of america so but um when we show up I, when we meet up by the way i'm gonna have to challenge you to a grill off so you know we're gonna have to oh we're gonna see how there's no going there's no losers man everybody wins that's true that, that's, that's what the I'm beauty saying. of the grill happen. off yeah, the beauty. it doesn't matter <laughs> if you have two forms of excellence it really doesn't matter which one is the better form at that point because they're both 
Excellent. Excellent. So that's Excellent. But if you're listening to us uh, yammer on right now, you're listening to us live in one of two places. You're either hanging out with us at our normal home for our weekly show, which is livingparanormal.com forward slash live. In addition to that, you could be listening to us at freedomrocksradio.com, our only uh, simulcast partner, I guess you could say. Freedomrocksradio.com is home of some of the greatest music of yesterday, today, and probably tomorrow, man. We've had some, you know, they've had some great, great uh, up-and-coming talent on there. Nice. Uh, you know, guys like Lone Wolf James, a few others. But um, yeah, if you're tired of some suit somewhere in Japan telling you what you should be listening to in your Pandora or whatever other aggregator you use for your music, slip on over to freedomrocksradio.com and have one of their live DJs actually play the music you want to hear. As I've said many times on the show, if you do not hear the show, the songs that you're wanting to hear, well, it's pretty much your own fault. Jason, where else can they find us? Well, aside from the live shows, if you want to catch our archive copies of the shows, you're welcome to find us at a few places, actually, which is nice and great whenever we can get some variety in there. You can find us over, of course, at our website at livingparanormal.com. All you have to do is click on the Past Shows button, and you'll be treated to over 116 episodes of awesomeness. Okay, well, a few were Rob and I were the only ones there. That's mediocrity, <laughs> but we're going to roll with the awesomeness in general with the great guests we've been blessed take to the top, Take the top tier, man. That's, yeah, where you're that's what we're going to do. Now, if you're interested in looking for somebody in particular, let's say you're like, you know what? I want to I see the Dustin Perry show again. I want to listen to that again. By all means, all you have to do is scroll to or go to the, the front homepage of our website at livingparanormal.com. Scroll down and there's a search bar there. Click in the search bar, type it in, clickety clack, hit enter, and you'll find the show and or books related to that show. By the way, if we do have authors on, we do like to put links to their books in our guest bookstore. Once again, Living Paranormal does not get any proceeds from the sale of those books. It's simply a resource pointing you to where to get them. Another location you can find us over uh, at blogtalkradio.com slash livingparanormal. Yes, we love blog our blog talk radio listeners, and we want to keep you all informed and in the loop, so we do upload our finished production uh, on the website uh, as soon as they are completed. Uh, other than that, our Facebook page is a good place to keep apprised of what we're going, what we're doing, and uh, what we're going to be having on, or who we're going to be having on. Uh, which, yeah, those are the main places you can find us over. Uh, aside from that, of course, you can search for us on your pav- favorite, favorite, on your favorite, on your favorite <laughs> podcast aggregator. Whether no, folks, iTunes, we're not rusty at all, not yeah, in the least. Yeah, no, not kidding. Uh, your favorite podcast aggregator, whether it be G Potter, iTunes, what have you, Podcast Addict, Podbean, I know, tons of them. You can find us there and even on Stitcher. So uh, by all means, feel free to just uh, find, use your favorite way to listen and just sit down, relax, and listen to the dulcet tones of mine and Rob's voice and also our guest tonight. But Jason, yeah, definitely do the honors because we have a, a, a very good guest tonight, and it's going to be a uh, – I think this is going to be a unique show. I've got that feeling. Yes, no, totally. What's great <laughs> is that tonight's guest we are having on the line, she's actually an expert from uh, the Gettysburg area of Pennsylvania. We're speaking tonight with – Kendra Ghost Girl Belgrad, which is going to be a great way of finding out first off where that nickname's from. But first off, we want to welcome Kendra to the show. Welcome to Living Paranormal, Kendra. Thank you so much for coming on, ma'am. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. It's going to be a fun night. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, anytime that we have somebody on with a sweet and soothing voice of yours, it definitely <laughs> makes Jason and I sound better. So, hey, props for that. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, talk to my husband later. He'll tell you how sweet that voice can be. <laughs> yeah, my, my fiance has a wonderful voice, and I just love hearing it until I do something that inherits the middle name. <laughs> you know, at that yeah. point, 
it's getting real. Problems are coming quick. <laughs> you know, so, you know you're um, in trouble. You know you're completely Yes, yeah, you were trained at a very young age for that, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, and uh, we find out later in life that that's not just a motherly trait. It's not. That's also a spousal trait and, uh, you know, or a, a potential spousal trait in this case. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. But anyway, Kendra, we're very glad to have you on. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule today to be here with us tonight. Um, now, now, once again, as Jason mentioned, a very unique nickname. Not many people get in, in this field given that type of a nomenclature, that type of a descriptive name, I guess you could say. Exactly where did that come from? Well, when I was first working in Gettysburg, basically trying to do jobs so that I could live there because it is a fabulous place, but you usually have to have one or two jobs. I took a job at the Gettysburg Tour Center selling tickets for ghost tours. And a lot of the bus drivers that would come in there, they wouldn't know who I was. And so someone would whisper to them, oh, that's the ghost girl. So anytime that they needed any kind of ghostly answer, tickets, tour information, go see the ghost girl is what they said. So it just stuck. And now I have people yelling that whenever they see me. So I, I answer to it, of course, with uh, pride now. Wow. That's so awesome. That's such a great way to get a nickname. Uh, we were discussing prior to the show uh, the fact that you have a nickname. And, and Kendra Rob had asked me if I had any nicknames. And I had to tell her no. I mean, my girlfriend calls me a whole bunch of different names. But nothing really I would call a nickname, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've, been on, uh, I've been on here before when I've heard her calling you a few of those yeah. names. Those are not nicknames. Um, no, yeah. no, not Same here, by the way. I can't say what my fiancé calls me. <laughs> yeah. This is nope. a new term for this. This is called aggressive endearment <laughs> i like that yeah endearment. that's awesome that, I like that. that that's kind of like an aggressive negotiation where you've got a you know like a, yeah, a 40 out six and a and a you know anything pointed to somebody's head saying sign the papers you know so exactly <laughs> so but uh, so uh, are you originally from the gettysburg area because i'm assuming it sounds like you actually moved into that area uh where did you come you know originally originate from i guess would be the word and how did you end up in gettysburg Oh, wow. Well, I've been back and forth across the United States a couple times here. But uh, originally, I was born and raised in Oregon. And I would fall in love with someone who lived all the way across into Maryland and moved out here for several years. But then we moved back in 2007 to be in Oregon for an exact year before we had to move back again to the East Coast. So no matter how many times I leave, I find myself drawn back over to uh, the history and everything that's over here. But we landed in Pennsylvania in 2008, and we haven't left since then. Oh, wow. That is a really long journey to go from one place to the other. Now, did your interest in the paranormal start out here, or did it begin when you were growing up in Oregon? Uh, My interest in the paranormal was almost forced upon me. Uh, A lot of people have uh, stories that they talk about how when they were very young is when they first were aware of entities and things that cannot be explained. And I think that's basically what happened with me. I know as a young child, I would say things that my mother was uncomfortable with because I shouldn't have known the information that I was talking to her about. But uh, the really big time in my life is age seven. Um, I don't know about you guys, but age seven for me was when I decided there was no way I could ignore the paranormal. 
Um, did you ever, did you guys start out that early? You know, actually when I was really young, because I had the, I didn't, I wasn't allowed to watch TV or listen to the radio until I was 13, but I was able to read whatever it was that I wanted to. Wow. And I, yeah. one of the books I found on my mother's bookshelf was a book from the Warrens and, uh, the Warrens introduced me into the paranormal and I was terrified and intrigued all at the same time. I, I couldn't help but be pulled towards that. So I, and I was actually very young. I was, I was about around seven or eight. Yeah. And I was reading crazy amounts of books then. And I was an early reader and I, I was a, a, you know, an advanced reader, but I just loved reading those things. So totally. Yeah. I was at the brown that age when I really got pulled into it, but not from a personal experience. It was more just from intellectual curiosity. You mentioned you got forced into uh, the paranormal and how so? Uh, well, yes, my family, um, I want to say it's my aunt on my father's side. She started having experiences where they lived. And I can basically say that it's probably been one of the most aggressive experiences that I've ever come in contact in my life is hearing what happened to them and also experiencing the spirits at her house. We would travel out to her home and it was pretty rural. It was out in the middle of nowhere. It uh, stemmed from an old gold miners station, so a shack that the house was built on top of. And when we would go out there, there is no way that anybody who went to her house wouldn't feel like they were being watched. There was this constant sensation, and every single time, everyone's eyes would turn to the house. So it just was this experience that happened to everyone but only a few people actually were physically touched or pushed or hurt by wow. the things that were in the house. Um, my particular time was we were supposed to play hide and seek. You know, the parents shove the kids outside in the woods and <laughs> that's what you do. You survive. Yay. They still have kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was so. back before the days of safety helmets and uh, parent uh, or kid proofing your home. Oh, as it yeah. Were. Yeah. No plastic covers for the outlets in my house. If you stuck your finger in the outlet, you were going to learn. Yeah, you learned. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> fire, fire is hot. You find that out the, the really quick. If if you really get, but I got to ask, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but got to ask you a question on this because this is a discussion I had on my front porch not a week ago. Literally not a week ago. Am I the only one that actually ever played with yard darts? You remember jarts that actually oh, had the metal tips on the end? And... I played with those, yes. Okay, Dangerous. now, please do not try this at home if you ever do come across a pair of these. But am I the only one that used to get a bunch of us friends together and we kind of stand in the middle and throw it straight up in the air and the last one to run was the brave one? Oh, my gosh, you're not. Okay. <laughs> Just, <laughs> the, some, some of the stupid stuff that we did, I'm, I'm amazed that we survived. But What's it, going but, on with you people? I'm, I've never done I'm, anything like that. That's insane. <laughs> what are you all doing? It, it, it's like that uh, chicken game, but yeah, it's with a sharp exactly. object. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead of using cars where you have you know padding and seat belts and you know, a much quicker yeah. reflex to turn, <laughs> you have to rely on your 
foot speed, and you've seen me, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> just no, not the fastest guy there. I'd be a giant, slow-moving target. I'm not the. I mean, I'm not going to be the kind of person that plays that game. No, I think the the crazy my my stupidity as a child limited itself to getting entire bricks of black hats and trying to make homemade explosives with them when I was a kid. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of a misstep would have been really bad. Would literally blown up in my face. But luckily, it turned out okay. I have all my <laughs> all my fingers and all my toes. But uh, a few scars, but we're okay. We're okay in the long run. So and some stories. Hey, you know what? You made yeah. you made it. You survived. And uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll leave my theories about how we need to take morning waves off. We'll just move on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I'll tell you what, Rob. None of us had to deal with this kind of hide and seek. I bet though. Have you ever played hide and seek? So no. you're, you're in the woods and you're out playing hide and go seek. And what happened? Yeah. Well, what happens is, is a lot of times the our aunt. She's going to act really weird when we're over there, but we just thought maybe she was just, you know, kind of ditzy. And she never wanted us in the house. The house is built up on top of the garage, so you have to go up a steep flight of stairs, probably about 20 to 25, to get to the house. And anytime you entered the house, she'd say, okay, out, go play, get out. But um, when we go to play hide-and-seek, I get picked first which I absolutely hate. I hate being first because sometimes they're just so good at hiding. They're not bored, so they don't make any moves. So you can't hear them. Right. And you're in the woods. You, wow. They could be anywhere. And so when I came down the stairs and started looking for them after counting to only about 80, I never did the 100. I, I got impatient. So 80 counts, and I'm looking for them. And I feel the sensation that someone's looking at me from the house. So I looked up and I saw someone standing in my cousin's bedroom. They had pulled the curtain back and they were staring down at me. But the way that the sunlight is shining, it was hard to see who it was. I just knew that they had cheated. They were in the house. And so when my aunt threw me out, there was no way I was going to get them. So I ran back to the house all the way up the stairs and when as soon as I walked into the front door, there was my aunt. It was it was kind of creepy how she would do that. She'd just be right there. And she said, what are you doing in the house? I told her we were playing hide and seek and someone was hiding in the house and I didn't want to be it anymore. So she said, stay here. She wouldn't let me enter. And she searched the whole house and she said, no one's here. And I told her, I there's someone staring at me from my cousin's room. Wow. And she says, no, no, there's no one there. Go outside. And she locks the door. Wow. So when I start walking back down the stairs, I'm dejected. Now I've got to go search the woods for my brother and two cousins. And I hear something in the garage as I hit the last step. Now the garage is to my left and my father and my uncle are to my right talking cars And I know we're not supposed to go in the garage. We're told you're not supposed to be in there. There's something bad in the garage. Well, I don't want to be it. So I stepped into the garage. Brave. And (laughs) well, yeah, (laughs) because there was no light in the garage. It's one of those types of garages. There's an open doorway. And when the light can't recede into the back recesses of the garage, there's nothing you can see. It's just pitch black. So I stepped forward because I heard that noise, but I waited. That's how you catch them. You wait them out. They're going to move. They're going to breathe. They're going to do something, and you'll know where they are to find them. So as I'm waiting, I hear something in the back right corner, and I take one step forward, 
and someone grabs my shoulder and says right in my right ear, no, you're not supposed to be here. I immediately freaked out because I thought my uncle Rob had stepped into the garage and was going to spank me for being in the garage. But when I turned, there's absolutely no one there except for this menace, this, this darkness. And all I could do was scream, run from the garage. My father and uncle, of course, look and start screaming at me as I'm running up the stairs. There's no way I'm going anywhere near any of them. They'll probably spank me on top of me being scared. And I started banging on the door. At this point, my aunt came over to the door. She unlocked it and she let me in. And I went crying to my mother. There's a ghost. There's a ghost in the cell, in the garage. And my mother started chastising me because she does not believe in ghosts and no one she knows will believe in ghosts. And that's when my aunt says, don't do that to her. There are things here. And at this point, my mother starts saying, don't do that. Don't, don't put these thoughts in her head. She's very impressionable. She says things she's not supposed to. Don't do this. And that's when my aunt said, I'll prove it to you. And she walked into the living room from the kitchen and she locked the front door. Then she walked back into the kitchen to the back door that led down on the back porch. And she locked that door, literally locking us into the house. And then she said, we're going into the living room, Karen. This is my mom's name, Karen. She says, we're going in there and I'm going to show you these ghosts exist. Well, when we walked into the living room, she walked over to a little bell. You know, just like one of those bells that you pick up and you ring if you want room service or... You have tonsillitis and you need your mom to come to you. Um, She picks up the bell and she hands it to my mother and she says, I want you to put this on the mantle above the fireplace. So my mom takes it, puts it on the mantle and she says, are you good with where it is? You, You know where it is? My mother says, yes. And at this point, she says, let's go back into the kitchen. See, the really weird thing about my aunt and about me, the only safe place in her house was her kitchen and you could feel it. It was like a warm, inviting place. So she took us back in there, and it wasn't even 10 minutes later we hear the bell ringing. Now the doors are locked. Nobody's in the house. And when she says, go back into the living room and find the bell, Karen. Well, my mom walks back in, and she walks straight over to the mantle, and there's no bell there. So she looks down on the floor, right? It fell down on the floor. Yeah, obviously. But she doesn't find it on the floor. She says, I don't know where it is. You must have taken it. And, of course, my aunt says that you put it on there, and we walked out. I did not touch it. Look up. So my mom started looking up, and across the room on the highest shelf that you couldn't even reach with a stool is the bell that my mom had placed on the mantle. Oh, wow. At that point, no standing in the living room. We're back in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Mad dash And the kitchen. it's moved. I mean, it literally moved. That's, that's just that's not possible to my mother. Right. And at that point, any time that we would talk about the spirits and whatnot, she'd shut us down. You know, don't do this. We can't do this. But there would be 20 years that went by before I spoke to my aunt again about the spirits. And when we spoke over the phone, she started crying because the things that I told her that I saw in the house were the exact things that she suffered from. Oh. And no one believed her. And that was the hardest part. No one believing you. Yeah. 
That's so and you know, we hear we hear that as a pretty frequent story as well. That, and I don't mean story in the sense of as a as a tall tale, but a lot of the people that we've had on have talked about how parents tend to either just completely set it aside or you know. Uh, explain it away as a child's imagination. If if you could give just one good piece of advice to a, a parent out there right now that, that has a child telling them this type of, uh, of an, an accounting or a recounting, what would you say to them to, you know, help with the child? Well, first off, I would definitely tell parents, just listen to your children, let them, let them express it. Because when they start discussing the story, they might find that there are details there that the child shouldn't know. There are things that that child is saying to them that's not possible, and that might help them to believe the story. But to also try and make them to understand that there are ways to protect themselves so that they just don't feel so scared that they don't tell their parents that there might be something very bad harming them. Um, Children are very resilient. They're almost like cats. They will hurt and hurt and hurt and keep it inside and not tell anybody because they think that that's what they're supposed to do. Because people, you know, adults try not to cry when bad things happen and the children try to emulate adults. And I think that's uh, just talking to them, definitely talking and then maybe teaching the child if they're old enough to write down every time something happens. Let the child document it. Let the child tell them in their own words what the experience is. And they might find out maybe it is that late night horror movie that's that's causing them to stay up or all of a sudden that detail that that child just wrote is it, it's something that they can't deny. And it's written down for them to actually speak to somebody else about. Right. Worst case scenario, you fully engaged your child and you've learned more about them and you've shown them that you actually care about their fears and their concerns and their worries. So, yeah, no, that's great advice. I like that. That's true. That's very, very true. Very well stated, too, I might say. Thank you. No, my pleasure. So, you know, after you've had this experience and you've waited such an enormous time to actually be able to talk about it, um, if if you, of course, if you're comfortable doing it, of course, we don't want you to step too far out of your comfort zone with us. But what are some of the things that you experienced between that point A and point B? Because you said that some of the things that you had seen there, I'm, I'm just trying to get a little more detail so we have a fuller understanding of what got you so enthralled into this field that you ended up with the nickname of the ghost girl. Yes. Um, From that point on, things kind of escalated for me as far as talking to my mother about things that I saw. I think it was more along the lines that I saw that my aunt believed and I realized that my mom was scared. And at a very young age, I understood that there's some things you have to do in order to protect those that you love so you don't talk about it. And that was for my mother. Um, So I wouldn't talk to her about a lot of that stuff. Uh, We fast forward to where I get into Gettysburg and now I'm I'm able to talk about it. I'm able to talk about all these things and all the experiences. So yes, I I will explain them. Um, uh, We actually have a pretty interesting history in Oregon. My mother's great, great, I think it's two greats, it might be three, grandfather actually discovered, was the second man to discover Crater Lake, which is a 
huge, beautiful place. Yes, it's gorgeous. And I mean, it's changed over the years, but the lake itself and the caldera and and the top of the mountain being inside, it's still the same. And he was the second man to discover it, but he was the first man to place a pontoon boat down in the center of the lake and actually be in the lake. Wow. So it's, it's amazing because if you've ever seen it, it's huge. And to actually drive to it takes a really long time by car. So you can only imagine how long it took those men who went out to discover these great things by foot um, and how long it took them to come back after they discovered it to tell everybody. Yeah, no, um, it kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? It's like, fine, I'll go get the mail. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We we talk about oh, I don't want to drive five minutes to the grocery store. Yeah, exactly. Well, imagine walking raining. that length. You know? <laughs> yeah. Imagine. And our so we would, had to hunt that food down before it was put in those nice packages. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and your fastest mode of transportation is a horse. Yeah, wow. No kidding. Uh, but so yeah, and I've actually walked down. I've hiked down into the caldera of Crater Lake. And I can tell you, uh, him doing that by foot without a nice leavened path like we had, I I can't imagine it. Um, But uh, we've gone up there many times because it is our history. And my my mother likes to try and um, dig up more history on it. And they have a beautiful lodge that's that's been up there since I want to say. I want to say that it was mid 1800s when they built that. Mm. And they've redone it year after year to try and make it a place for people to come and stay and, um, you know, boom the business and whatnot. But we were there when I was probably about uh, 12 or 13 years old. And we had traveled up with a um, gal that I had become friends with in junior high. And when we were touring around, we walked over to the lodge so that my mom could talk about it. And it was under renovation. So everything was cordoned off. It's right next to the caldera so that you can look out a window and look straight down into that beautiful lake. And it's just breathtaking to see that stone and know that someone had to had to build this on top of this beautiful location out in the middle of nowhere. And as we're walking, I looked up. And once again, I don't know why it is, but it's me and windows. Windows. <laughs> <laughs> I looked straight up and I watched a hand pull the plastic wrap from a window away and a person just staring at me. And I pointed up at the window and they let go of the plastic wrap and the plastic came back and hit the window. And at that point, that's when everybody saw that it hit. They did not see the person in the window. And I told my father, he was there. There is a man standing up there. We, we've got to go in and, and make sure that they know that there's someone in the building because it's under renovation. He could fall through the floor. Right. Anything could happen. And, of course, my father made fun of me the whole time, and my mother shushed me a little bit. And when we went back to the main gift shop, we had to ask them, is there anybody in the building? And they said, no, at this time, it's, it's under permits. No one's allowed in there. It's locked up. Well, there's somebody there. You've, you've got to go check. And, of course, they stated, no, there's no one there. There's no one in the building. And they would send someone there to look, but everything's locked up. There's no one in the building. Wow. And still, this sensation of someone staring at us the whole time and feeling it 
started to make me realize it's not just the fact that they're there. It's the fact that I know they're there. That's the scary part. Now it's being aware that every time I get that strange feeling and I look, there they are. Wow. Now, how had to was this? Som- I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That, that had to be a sombering realization to you. And, and kind of, you know, just once again, trying to pull a little detail here. How has that influenced you since that point? I mean, has, has this been one of those things where you, when you suddenly get that feeling, all of a sudden you're on like a hyper alert or do you get a little nervous or skittish? I mean, how do you cope with having that little tidbit of knowledge handed to you? When that first happened, yes, I was constantly looking over my shoulder uh, what is this? What could it be? And who is it? And why are they looking at me? Um, and that got me scared. But, you know, uh, after a while, it just became normal. I think I just accepted it. And now it's become that thing. Oh, yeah, that's that's happening right now. It's It's become every day for me to be able to have those experiences. Now, some of the things that have been happening as I'm accepting this have become more intense, like knowing something before it's going to happen. But it only pertains to me, unfortunately. I'm not one of those people that you can ask me for the ticket numbers for the lotto <laughs> and, and I'll give it to you. Right. It's, it's more along the lines of, of knowing when something very important is going to happen and I should be prepared for it. And then it happens. Oh, well, there goes my next question. Um, so I was going to ask you about the lottery numbers. I, I'm not going to lie. But uh, so would you consider yourself to be um, a sensitive or psychic basically to your own fates and destinies at that point then? I believe that that's how it's turned out. Uh, I think that just like anything with being someone who can be tapped into uh, things that you shouldn't know, it, it's there for everybody. It's just whether or not that's something that you want to do. It's like anybody can go over to a piano and push a key. You made a noise. Right. Maybe if you're, you're brilliant enough, you can put those notes together and make beautiful music. But most of us can walk over and push that key. It's just whoever wants to learn how to use that tool that they then become more skilled at it. Um, so with uh, being sensitive, uh, I don't necessarily like that because I think everybody has a sensitivity, but more intuitive. I I know more things that are just shouldn't be known, but Mm. I do. And it just comes across as a blunt message. It's just, this is going to happen. Just be prepared. It's not passionate. It's not angry. It's nothing. It's just get ready. You know how we all, and, and I don't mean to interrupt, but if I interject for a moment, you know how we all have that inner monologue that we do when we talk to ourselves, you know, just mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to go do this. I got to do that. Is that the voice that comes through and tells you these things in a matter of fact way? It's like, uh, don't, don't take the car today on the major highway. Like, is that how it usually comes out for you or how does it come across when you hear it? Sometimes it comes across as a word. Sometimes it cro- comes across as in a flash, an image of Maybe you should do this instead. Sometimes it's not very clear, but I always know afterwards, dang it, I should have listened because <laughs> yeah. I'm still learning. These things are just so intense at times. 
Right. And then the other thing is that hindsight's twenty twenty. So you're just, exactly. oh, man, I should have totally done that. No, I, I understand that. Now, the earlier story that you were telling about with your father in the cabin, or your parents, I should say, in the cabin, was that prior to or after the uh, your first story with your aunt? Was that before your mother? Was- My aunt was seven, and then the lodge was about 12 or 13. Okay, good. And, it, and in between there, of course, you know, there's always these these things that would happen where I would, like I said, I would know something was going to happen or I would uh, not listen to myself when I should have done something and then it comes to pass. It's, it's, it's a lot like that that's becoming more and more intense. And, but I was wanting to learn. I was looking to learn. And it's so hard to learn because everyone will tell you what the possibilities are but you don't know what possibilities will be for you. Right. So to try and call some up and say, hey, you're a medium. How did you get there? It's completely different from them for them other than for you. So sometimes they just say, meditate. I got that all the time. Meditate. Med- well, meditate's not helping me. It's just making more of this stuff come out. How am I, how am I going to get it together? Right. Yeah. That's the hardest part about a lot of this. There's so much information out there, but what information is right for you? Right. That's fascinating. That's you. Know, by the way, what a what a wonderful analogy for that. When you when you talked about uh, everyone's latent gift, when you talked about the piano, I love that analogy. That was actually great. I was all smiling and thumbing up over here when you when you were talking <laughs> about that. That's pretty good. Uh, and it's it's fascinating, and it kind of shines a light into the situation to where well, if everybody has this ability. Why don't more of us produce it? Why does it manifest more greatly in a lot more of us? And I think you really explained it here in the, in the sense that, well, it's different for everybody. And so it's up to us to put time into learning that part of us. You know, so it, it takes time to develop that intuitive part of us. And I think that's a really fascinating way of putting it. I like that. That was good. Well, I, I, my husband likes to call me the queen of analogies, so <laughs> it, it happens. <laughs> well, you know, my fiance often calls me the king. Never mind, I can't say that on the air. Oh, um, yeah, we'll move along. But, but I mean, there yeah, are worse things you, you could lying. be known as for sure. The moment you said king, I knew you were lying. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't a lie. I just can't tell you what I'm the king of. Yeah, moving along. Anyway. So, but, um, but, you know, uh, I don't know. I just kind of lost my train of thought. I just pulled a Jason. Right. Why don't you take over here, Jason? <laughs> I, uh, I had one of your moments, man. And you, you get five, I get one. It's all good. <laughs> it's all right, man. It happens. No, but uh, so your mother at this point, by this time at 12, was she accepting the fact that you that the ghosts were real, the spirits were real? Was that initial experience sufficient to change her mind? Or did she stay a, a denier? She, has she stayed well, a denier? Yeah. Well, no, no. Now she's Now she's my biggest supporter. And she loves sharing stories. And uh, it's funny because you always talk about how sometimes the student then becomes the teacher. And here I am, a child who she brought up and she did the best that she could under all of the circumstances of of our past. And uh, when she got to the point where it could not be denied anymore that it would be best to agree with me because then she could share her own personal experiences. She found a buddy that she could feel comfortable with in sharing all the weird things that now happen to her. It's not a scary thing anymore. It's it's more al- along the lines of a bonding issue that we have. 
That's a good. Oh, that's that's nice. good. And it helps, and it does help solidify that relationship. Plus, you guys can, can kind of compare ideas, thoughts, and theories as it is a shared experience. So it does bring uh, more light to what you went through. I would say. Oh yes, and she's actually shared some really good stories with me as of late with people that I know that have passed and how she's had experiences with them. And I was able to say, "Well, wait a second. No, she's not just haunting that place. She came specifically for you to talk to you. And that's when my mother would then go, you're right. I see it now. I'm okay with this. I'm not scared anymore. So it it really does help to be able to have someone that that can support you. And and that's why that, that question about the child really hit me because of the tours I do in Gettysburg for, for the orphans that were there. I love children. I do not have any of my own, but the love I have for any child is always there. And I truly want people to listen to their kids because sometimes the children are the ones that can actually see more clearly than we can when it comes to a haunting or an experience. Right. You know, we've actually talked about that topic on here before, and I would kind of be, uh, I guess, a little bit interested in hearing any thoughts or theories you may personally have about why it is that children, um, or in some cases, uh, and we mentioned this as well recently, uh, people, even adults that are autistic, seem to have more of an open view of the spirit world. Do you have a personal theory on why that seems to hold true? Because we, as, as an investigator you know, here, I can tell you, I hear that story quite frequently, that the children are usually the first ones to see it. So have you ever really considered the the reasoning behind that and maybe why that holds true? I have. And I know a lot of people say it's because they have open minds, which which is great and true. But I know a lot of adults that are so open that they need to close the door a little bit on, on what they believe in because <laughs> they they believe in every everything right. and, and it's some of those things contradict each other. So a lot of times I think what it is is that they don't have baggage. Children don't have the baggage that adults have. They are more likely to talk to a stranger because they don't know that that stranger could harm them. They're just thinking, this is someone I could talk to. This is someone I can play with. And I think that's what a lot of that is, is they don't have that thought in their head saying, no, I don't have to do what you say. Because they do. They do what you say, especially if they want to do it. And with Uh, An entity that knows that they can manipulate a young mind that's willing to believe and accept and just take them in as um, maybe something just on sight, seeing a little girl ghost, uh, a little girl might play with her because, oh, that's a little girl. They're not thinking that that's a dead person who might want me hurt or wish me harm right so i think that a lot of times it's because they just don't have all of that stuff holding them down yeah then after a while we're like that little girl's gonna take my immortal soul and we start running in the other direction (laughs) the other direction little girl's watching me while i sleep what is she doing (laughs) yeah no that's creepy no but that's 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 really fascinating now i i tend to agree on that on the idea that the children don't have that um that kind of they're not jaded by reality I suppose, as, as much as humans are. I think we've, we've come to take to explain things away as, well, either, you know, stuff happens or nothing that interesting will happen to me, you know, that kind of pessimism about things. And so, um, yeah, that, that's very true, though. I think children... It reminds me... Like I'm, I'm sorry, Jason, I'm, did I'm, I talk over you? No, please go ahead. 
Oh, I was just saying it's almost like uh, children with their imaginations. We we have these wonderful, beautiful imaginations when we're little, and then slowly we're taught, no, you can't spend your time in that world. You've got to come into this world, reality. You've got to learn your numbers. You've got to be good in school. You've got to do great. And those pressures take away from that openness and that that fantasy world where we're we're less likely unless we truly do love Lord of the Rings and all that stuff and <laughs> haven't grown up, you know, haven't let it go. I think that's another thing that steps on our ability to to uh allow these things in. That's very true. So you're a teenager. <clears throat> You've already been through all of these things. You've been through the twelve year old that's the seeing the cabin, the spirit in the cabin, and you're going through school. How are you? Are, are you learning more about the paranormal during this time? Are you trying to read and, and absorb as much information and material as possible, or has the paranormal taken a bit of a back seat by this point? No, I I think more often than not, for me, it was always in the background. I could never get away from it. Ghost stories, haunted tales. Uh, always wanted to go to cemeteries. My mom would take me to the cemetery to see our relatives. And the cemetery that they were buried in was Jacksonville Cemetery in Oregon. And it's it's got some amazing history. It's got a uh, debtor section. It's got Civil War soldiers. It has graves that say that they died from an Indian attack. I mean, it's it's a wonderful cemetery. And she'd take me there. And my love of the cemetery grew from her. But in the opposite direction than what she wanted it, which was history. Mine was more along the lines of ghosts. And I found myself always going to cemeteries. Everywhere I go, here's a cemetery. There's a cemetery. Um, It's the same way with children. Children pop up on me. I don't have kids, but little kids pop up. And sometimes they're not living. Wow. Wow. You actually have community. How do the children approach you when they pop up to you and they're not living? Not living ones, it's always the sense of uh, someone has reached out and grabbed onto me for safety. That's that's the one thing that always reverberates through everything that I do in my life is teaching people to protect themselves and then protecting myself. And it's been in different things. I wanted to be in an EMT. I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be a fireman. It was always these things about protecting people. And I think what that was in my younger life was getting me ready for now when I'm teaching people how to protect themselves uh, spiritually and know about the spirits. But the little kids, they always reach out and they grab my hand. I sometimes will feel them uh, leaning against me. And so many times, the most common thing is people will tell me, I saw a little boy or I saw a little girl next to you. Who was that? And sometimes I have to say, there was no one standing next to me. I Can you describe them? And usually they have a very vague description because they didn't really see them well, but they saw a child standing next to me. Wow, that's something. Isn't that something? That's crazy. Now, the, uh, yes, you, when did you first, wow, I lost the ability to speak. I apologize. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> Don't worry. It only happens like two, three times during the show. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bonus, right? Well, no, yeah, no, there no you kidding. Go. Now everyone is playing the drinking game. Take a shot. No. Uh, so if you're, <laughs> if you're uh, while you're actually studying and researching and just the, the paranormal in the background, I should say, of your life, when did you first go on an investigation? Oh, let's see. Well, 
Actually, my first official investigation was out here on the East Coast. Um, I did a lot of things on my own. I, in a younger uh, age, I unfortunately had an experience with a Ouija board. Um, it's never been again, and and that was another instance that I realized I should. Uh, what were you saying i'm so sorry i think uh, rob are you breaking up um i actually i think that was on uh, kendra's end it uh it sounded like it pixelated out i can hear you perfectly fine kendra are you still with us can you hear me i'm sorry there you are yeah we heard that you had a negative experience with the ouija board and you I said, did. Yeah. Can you extrapolate on that a little bit? Because I'm sorry, but you can't come a living paranormal and say, I had a negative experience no. with the Ouija board and then continue on from there. I really got to hear about this because I, I like okay. hearing about the Ouija board. And, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. Why? It's not a not giving you a loaded question or anything. I'm just totally curious. What happened? OK. Uh, well, um, to be honest with you, I'm not sure exactly if I was nine or ten. But um, I went over to my mother's work party, and they were having it at a friend's house. And they introduced me to the young lady who lived there. She's about my age. And we were told to go play because it's an adult party. They were going to be drinking and whatnot. So we went to the bedroom, and she asked if I wanted to play a game. And I said yes. And at that point, she pulled out the Ouija board. And I had never seen one before. I didn't know about it. And she explained to me that this is how we're going to talk to the dead people. And she showed me how to put my hands on the uh, planchette. And we started asking questions. And it was, uh, is there anybody with us? Things like that. But we weren't getting any answers. At the time, I thought she was trying to trick me. And then I decided I'm going to ask a serious question. I'm going to see if this thing can tell me. I had a little kitten that disappeared, and I didn't know what happened to the cat. So I asked, where is my cat? And it spells out trash. Now, at the point, I didn't, I didn't really want to hear that, and I said, why would it be in the trash? And then it spells out dead. Aww. Yeah. Wow. And I said, who killed my cat? And it spells out dad and car. Oh, yes. Wow. Now, at this point, I'm crying. My friend is trying to calm me down. She says, let's ask different questions. We reached down to touch the planchette, and the Ouija board just flew across the room and hit the wall. At that point, we jumped up, screamed, ran out of the room, and ran to our parents. And she told me, don't tell them we weren't supposed to be using it. So here I am crying. My mother's asking me why. Yeah, no kidding. Wow, go on. I'm sorry. And I can't say anything. I can't say anything at all. So I don't. I I kept that to me. And I guess it's the magic number. It was about 20 years later. I would talk with my mom about my cat, Tiny. I said, what happened to Tiny? And she said, oh, he ran away. I I. I talked to a Ouija board mom. At that point, her <laughs> mouth hits the floor, and she opens her mouth, and she says, I'm so sorry. I'll tell you the truth. She tells me that my father, of course, got up early in the morning to go start the car, and what happened was is that the poor cat had climbed up into the engine to oh, stay warm. no. Yeah. And unfortunately, he did not survive, 
And my dad only had a few seconds when he found him to put him in the trash before I came out and saw him before going to school. Wow. That's what happened. (laughs) Wow. You know, I'm telling you, as a father, if I accidentally killed my son's cat, that is a tough thing to do. Like, bury it quick, grab it with your hands and throw it in there. Like, you're just, yeah, that's desperation. I feel for your dad, the cat more, but I still feel for your dad. Yeah, that's. And well, lucky 20 years later that we're talking about it, I'm able to forgive him. But, you know, as a child, when that thing happened, I just kind of went, okay, we're not talking about the Ouija board. So, I never brought it up to my parents and wow. for my mom to just say it clearly without me initiating what happened was even more creepier. Yeah, that's wild. You know, the, 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 uh, the story that my parents used to tell me about my dogs, if they ever died, it's like, no, we, he's in a farm. He went with a farmer. He's running oh. in the fields. There's lots of places to go. And to play yeah. when they try to tell me that my dog just ran away as opposed to it dying. But, oh, that's so sad. That's a crazy way to learn about your cat. So the, the reason I was so intrigued by your, Ouija board, why your Ouija board story, aside from the fact I'm sure our listeners loved hearing it, was um, how, to lead up to this question. How do you feel about Ouija boards now? Like, Do you feel they're, in general, are they a danger? Do you feel that they're not? Or what is, what's your views and opinions on the Ouija board? Uh, Much like many of the tools of the trade, uh, the danger is in not knowing how to use it and not knowing how to protect yourself. That's my big thing. Uh, Anybody can pick up a knife and chop up salad or pick up the knife and use it on somebody. So it's the choice of using that object. It's not the object's decision. Uh, However, calling forth things that you're not prepared for that's what I think the real danger is. That's uh, very true. It's the intent of, of that right. of that tool. That I, I completely agree. Now, how would you say that somebody should prepare for? Because I know a lot of people are listening and they're probably thinking, "Well, how do you train with a Ouija board? How do you prepare for a Ouija board? Or when do I know I'm ready?" So, what do you think? How is it that you train? How would you say that you would train to use a Ouija board? Would it just um, be much? Um, well, much like how you would train when you're going on an investigation. Um, you you should know the history of it. You should know what's possible. Uh, you should form your questions to where you'll get the answers that you need without opening yourself up for other possibilities. Like you wouldn't say when you walk into a house, you can touch me. Right. Because you didn't tell them where they could touch you. Touche. So there, yeah, Very it's. Valid. Very Probably valid. not a good place if they're not a good person. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, that's, so, that's like jumping in the back of the van for free candy at that point. I mean, I'm, Exactly. I hate to simplify it like that, it's especially true. in that yeah. perverse of a way. But I mean, it, I've used the analogy a lot of times. It's like opening a door in the middle of New York City overnight and not monitoring who comes into your home. Yes. Yes, definitely. I agree with that. Um, and your faith is a big thing that protects you. I come from a mixed background. My father's agnostic. My mother was slightly religious, but she also comes from Indian, uh, Native American histories. Uh, So I pretty much have developed my own faith and what I believe watches over us. And I use that to protect me because that is the strongest tool I have. If I truly believe in my faith, that is the one tool that I want to use no matter what I'm doing. 
So a lot of times when you want people to be prepared when you do things is what is their faith? Are they someone who doesn't believe in anything? Then that's fine. They're, they're probably, their faith is in logic and that's what they're, they're going to be uh, protecting themselves with. But as we all know, with paranormal and unknown things, sometimes logic is just thrown right out the window. Yeah, it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah, no, no, totally. No, but I, I found some Catholics and some Christians that are so strong in their faith that uh, you can just feel that they know they're protected. And so a lot of times I would say faith is one of the biggest things before you use a Ouija board, dowsing rods, pendulum, something, some tool that you physically are touching to use. Wow. That's interesting. I, 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 wow. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Well, part of the reason that we ask, that we like to ask this question, uh, just so you kind of know a little bit of the background on it. Um, when Jason and I first started out doing this, we were asked to go on another show, and he and I were tasked, and I'm going to say it that way because it was a task, to debate with Robert Murch, who is one of the, well, the foremost authority on the Ouija <laughs> and its uses. And uh, needless to say, it was uh, quite an enlightening experience for both of us, and uh, as well as for uh, for Bob, I would think, because he was very uh, very interactive with what we had to say. And I know that he is a huge proponent of them, and I'm very very cool with that. But he was also very interested in hearing the reasons why we both recommend so much caution, and was very diligent in discussing it with us. So I do want to say that for the record. But since then, we kind of do this to try and get a, a more broad range feel of how people that are actually in this field feel about them and their usage. Is it something that you personally would ever use on an investigation, or uh, have you ever used one since? I guess we another. Uh, question for that second part i have not used one since um because i never really had that opportunity again i physically did not go out and buy anything like that to use however i do use dowsing rods and pendulums which once again are a a yes no tool much like the ouija board but the ouija board has you know you can spell things out more clearly but um i i would say that uh, my feelings on it, once again, it's, it's a tool. I would use it, but not an investigation because I would have to use it with someone and I don't know what their feelings would be, if they have any issues with it, uh, or do they have any of their own attachments, um, would something be attracted to them and harm them and then I would feel that guilt that I assisted in their harm. So I probably would only use it in a controlled environment uh, with people that I trusted, not just someone in a group. I'd say that's very sound advice. That would be a uh, excellent recommendation because I do know people that are interested in their use. Make sure you find somebody that knows what they're doing, guys. You have to know how to properly use it, how to properly close the doors, how to properly interact and do it in a way that you ensure safety not only for yourself but everybody around you. Exactly. And it's funny because you're saying properly do this, and I I don't know why I'm such a stickler with this, but I I always think, well, what's proper? I think that what we've heard tonight is that it's important to understand your 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 bearing with your faith, where you're at with it, how you feel spiritually as a person, or even just as you feel emotionally as a person. 
you don't want to play with anything like this that uh, in, a, in a state of emotional uproar. You don't want to play with it in that case. Uh, you don't want to play with it if you're not certain where you're at in your faith. Be strong and centered in who you are. And I personally think that that would probably be the best defense when you're playing, when you're not playing, but when you're utilizing or using the Ouija board and just give it a little bit of respect. You know, you're, you're, even if you don't believe in it, it's all the pure, hard, diehard skeptics out there. What you're essentially doing is you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where you're completely psychologically and emotionally open. You're like anyone or anything speak to me. And that's never a good thing to leave yourself completely open like that unless you're completely firm in who you are and, and where you are in, your, in yourself as a person spiritually and emotionally. So I think that's the best way to do it uh, in general. I, I'm not too big a proponent on, on children playing with the Ouija board. Uh, I, I know my niece has played with it a little bit and my mother has played with it with my niece, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I just think it's fascinating. I don't know. I, that's why I love, we love getting the inputs of all of our guests on that topic in particular. And um, thank you so much, by the way, for sharing that story in the Ouija board. That was really fascinating. I like that. You're I wanted welcome. to, uh, I wanted to share a story real quick too, and this will be a, uh, a, uh, I guess a good way to transition to our halfway mark because we are pretty much at the end of one hour right now. If you can believe wow. it went that quick. Wow. <laughs> Amazingly enough, uh, ye old timekeeper me has been right on top of it. But uh, one of our listeners tonight in the chat room, John Cool, has shared a story with the rest of the people in the chat room about using a spirit box to find his cat tonight. His cat went missing. He asked the spirit box where it was. The responses were basement and cellar. Uh, the cat did sneak down into our cellar, and that's where I found her. So that's an uh, interesting way to find a pet. It kind of tied back into the story you were telling a little bit. Fortunately for John, this one had a happier ending. I'm so glad his cat is alive. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's a good cat story to balance it out. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah we, we, we've got one found. One not so well technically well, found, yeah, but in yeah, we'll just yeah. kind of leave it right there. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? We are at the halfway mark, and uh, yeah, too soon. I know. All right, we <laughs> wow, we are at the halfway point of our show. Hard enough as it is to believe that was one hour down, one hour to go with uh, a very engaging and entertaining guest here with us today, with uh, the ghost girl herself, Kendra Belgrad. Guys, you're listening to us live right now. You're at one of two locations. You're hanging out with us at our main home. I guess you could call it livingparanormal.com forward slash live this is where you'll find our weekly show from 9 to 11 p.m eastern standard time you could also be listening to us live at our only simulcast location freedomrocksradio.com once again freedomrocksradio.com is the home of some of the greatest music on the web today as well as our secondary outlet uh, if you go to freedomrocksradio.com be ready to, to get interactive and talk with a live dj that's going to be there to play your requests as well as to discuss anything from modern music to i've seen some crazy conversations in there when i've been hanging out i'll just say i got some good recipes i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> um so i i'm not kidding man I, there's a roast recipe floating around i'll tell you about it later but jason where else can they hear us well if they're interested in hearing shows just like this with the wonderful kendra belgrad which by the way we're going to be covering her current uh adventures or misadventures and endeavors shortly after this break uh but if you're interested in hearing more shows about that then all you have to or shows similar to this i should say tune into us over at live 
livingparanormal.com. Click on past shows and you'll be treated to over 116 now episodes of Living Paranormal with various topics ranging from, wow, Rob, we've had aliens, we've had uh, Bigfoot. Oh, man, we've no had, kidding. Yeah. Mythological uh, cryptoids that were just too bizarre to think about. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot of different, a wide variety of topics because we love hearing about these things. We love talking about them. We want to share them with all of you. Uh, if you're interested in reaching out to us, please, by all means, feel free to, to send us an email, a message, a note over at contact at livingparanormal.com. Or you can go over to our uh, livingparanormal.com page, click on About Us, scroll down to the bottom. You'll actually see a form there where you can enter in your name, email address, and a message. Just click the clack, hit enter. It'll send it right over to us, and we'll be happy to reply to you. If you don't mind us using your name on the air, please let us know. We'd love to give you credit for any wonderful questions or stories you have to share with us. If you have any show topics as well, we'd love to hear from you there. If you even want to be a guest, send us an email. We'll be happy to consider it. As long as you're right fit for the show, we'll be happy to have you on the air as well. Now, if uh, you're listening to us over at blogtalkradio.com slash livingparanormal, it's a great place to hear us. We actually do upload our completed shows there. Uh, in fact, the last show that we updated was on a show that we aired on Father's Day. And uh, we, we actually had a wonderful time uh, speaking to our last guest on Father's Day about the paranormal. And we really uh, recommend tuning in there for a great many more shows to come. Uh, in addition to that, of course, our podcast can be found over on iTunes, on Gpod, or any podcast aggregator you choose. Do a search for Living Paranormal and subscribe there. We'd love to hear from you. Also, leave a review for us on iTunes, by the way. It'd be great to have some nice reviews there. We actually do have one review, Rob, on there. That The most recent review that we have on there was, this does not belong in the science section. And, you know, I kind of agree in a way. I wish there was a more paranormal topic section because when I think science, I'm thinking of like, you know, Isaac Asimov and, and some of the more right, right. Sagan type things and bio and stuff like that. So I kind of agree with that. I feel you. Maybe maybe if we get our listeners to petition them to create a paranormal category, that yeah, might be no something kidding. that would be interesting to have. Then you could have a better... I guess, venue to find not only our show, but your other favorite podcast shows all in one nice little tight location. So guys, yeah, rattle their doors. I mean, yeah. you never know. They, uh, from what I understand, they're pretty good about uh, listening to that type of feedback. So, yeah. In the meantime, don't fret. We're still here for you here at livingparanormal.com slash live on Sundays whenever you're ready to go. But coming back to our show here with Miss Kendra Belgrade. Thank you so much once again, Kendra, for, for uh, coming on tonight. It's You are a wonderful storyteller, by the way. I'm here just well, sitting you. silent listening to your story. <laughs> no wonder you're, you, you're, you're a tour guide. It fits your, your personality perfectly, I think, and <laughs> your skill set. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. I, I get a lot of people who say that. <laughs> Well, we've actually had that uh, same feedback in our chat room tonight. Uh, Georgia Aguilar, who's one of our regular listeners as well as a former guest and hopefully future guest, George. We're holding out. We're holding out. Um, but he actually said that you were a very – I think the word in, he used was engaging uh, on, on the air. So he's, uh, he's got thumbs up for you quite as well. So, oh, Thank you, George. 
Yeah, now, George is a good guy, but don't tell him I said that. <laughs> it is recorded, though, for posterity. You can listen to it over at livingparanormal.com slash life. Uh, or actually. <laughs> I actually taught him the shameless plug, and he still missed it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with oh, I'll, I'll get it right eventually. Uh, no, but Kendra, I did mention that you were a tour guide, and we have discussed your history in the paranormal and how you've uh, grown to, well, how you've grown to accept it as a part of your everyday life. Uh, you are an intuitive, uh, and it so happens you're also a tour guide. Is that correct? Or what else? What What do you do in total with the paranormal today? Uh, with the paranormal today, I am a ghost tour guide for ghostly images. It's a ghost tour in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and we take people into the historic Jenny Wade house and the Homestead Orphanage for ghostly tales and haunted history. Nice. I like that. I, as if you read it right off the brochure. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> she probably wrote the brochure from what I'm picking up here. So no, she's well, it out if, there. <laughs> if you look at the brochure, you'll see my face on it. So uh, <laughs> my husband did that, but he did a little bit of Photoshopping and stretched my eyeball out. So I looked really creepy. <laughs> unfortunately jason comes that way creepy is just kind of how he looks so yeah well, i remember the wanted poster that oh, sorry i wasn't supposed to mention that on the air <laughs> but uh you, you're talking about the gettysburg tour center where you have ghostly images uh, gettysburg battlefield tours is that right yeah they are owned by gettysburg battlefield tours and ghostly images has been doing this since I think that we're working on our 11th year there. I've only been there since 2010, but um, I've the first year that I started there, I was taking people into the Jenny Wade house. That's the home where the only civilian was killed during the three days of battle in Gettysburg. Wow. And you go through the same way that her body is carried through the house. Wow. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's um, not as dark as the orphanage. So when I first started working there, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the orphanage. It was it was scary to learn about child abuse and uh, the things that happened in that building and how long it took for them to close it down. But uh, within a year, the manager said, you've got to do this. So I started doing that. And ever since then, I, I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else unless I had to move back to Oregon to take care of my parents. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, what I was wondering is you've mentioned being an intuitive and also having communication with children on a regular basis, spirits of children that have passed away, not necessarily on a regular basis, but continuous. And how did all of this play into you suddenly giving tours at a haunted orphanage? What was your first experience giving tours there like? I imagine that must have been hard for you. Well, actually, the first time I ever went into the building, I would have an experience that I wouldn't say was a child. And um, they want me to tour so that I can pick up the stories and be able to get the timing down to get people through the house. And when we step into a portion of the building that used to be attached to the orphanage was a museum, the National Soldiers Museum. It's now since closed. But we would walk in there. And as the guide started to talk, I felt this intense pain in my right shoulder, like someone had taken their knuckle and started to twist it into my muscles. And at first, I wasn't sure if it was a muscle spasm because you always have to be logical first before you can blame it on something else. And I 
started to move my shoulder to try and stretch it out, but it, it was just getting more intense and it felt like someone was just trying to run their knuckle right through my arm. So I said out loud, leave me alone. And the woman standing next to me said, I'm sorry, and moved away from me. <laughs> and I realized <laughs> probably shouldn't have been so loud because <laughs> now I'm the crazy person on the tour. So, uh, But it immediately stopped. It, it, it stopped right when I commanded, you know, stop this. And I thought, okay, that's, that's strange. Maybe this is meant to be. Maybe someone here doesn't want me here. And we would go down into the cellar to hear about the tales of children being abused. And I sat at the back of the room so that all the other guests that were there could get a better view. I didn't want to interrupt them there because I'm going to learn the tour. And as she starts to talk, the guide starts to talk about uh, children being chained to walls. I get that same pain. It's just so intense. And I know, I just know that intuitive part somebody's attacking me. So I took my camera and I flashed it at myself towards my right shoulder. The reason why I did this was because some spirits that come from a certain time, a time of belief uh, of the church, the Christian church, believe that those bright lights are angels coming to get them. And because I've heard this, and once again, I'm willing to take in anybody's idea of how to work with spirits and, and get evil spirits away from you. Right. I did it. Immediately it stopped. But the guide, of course, stopped and said, did something happen to you? And I was looking at all of these people thinking, they're going to think I'm crazy. But when I told the story, she said, oh, you're going to be a guide here. They always pick on the guides. And oh, wow. Wow. She was right. You talk I was about, a guide. You talk about a tough test to get a job. Yeah, no <laughs> You know, it's like, so did you get poked? Not well, sorry, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You can't be in the building. Leave now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's unreal. That's funny. That's hilarious. And I actually have put up a link as well in our chat room. I include this in the show description notes if you're wondering where you can actually book tours uh, that are being described currently. It looks like they're $12 a piece for the tour. Is that correct? Actually, if you call directly, it's $10 for the walking tours. It's $13 for the ghostly encounter and it's 15 for the fright night and the um, Saturday night scare. Nice. I like that. Okay, good. Good to know. Good to know. And uh, the link to the website, as I said, will be in the show notes as well. So I'm sure you can get the contact information there. But that's fantastic. I like that. Awesome. Now, the uh, <laughs> so you were selected personally by the spirits to tour. And it, it's uh, how does that worked out for you? Have the spirits seemed to, to, to like you, adjusted to you? Any, any other negative experiences or positive overall? A couple of negative, but I found them positive for myself. Um, and then overall, I I do feel like I get more attention from the children in there. I have had some negative attention. Uh, one particular tour, we were in the area that is known as the showcase now because a manager who used to own the company, he turned it into a daytime program where people can come in and sit down for about 
25 minutes and hear ghostly tales sitting inside the orphanage. And it's a cute little presentation for kids who can't go on the ghost tour because they're too scared uh, or people who are leaving town in an hour and, and still want to feel some sort of a, an experience, even if it's just ghost tales in, in a haunted house. And when we were back there, this is the old dining room. And I was stating that Dr. Bourne was the man who brought Rosa into this house. And he knew that Rosa Carmichael was the evil woman who was abusing the children. And then I stated Rosa Carmichael is the one that made sure the children were being abused. A woman is recording me on her digital recorder. And later on, she would send me the recording through email so that I could have it. And she wrote down in the email, there's something very disturbing when you're talking about Dr. Bourne and Miss Rosa. And she thought it said something else. So automatically, she's already told me what I should be hearing. That's not what I heard on the recording. Uh, when you do recordings and you listen to them over and over, you sometimes get what they call uh, EVP ears, where you can go, okay, no, that's not the word they said. That's <laughs> clearly not what they said. And she thought that there would be a strange noise and then a woman would say, she's lying, which who knows? It's 150 years later. I don't know all the history, so if there's someone that's telling me I'm lying, hopefully they'll tell me what I'm lying about. But that's not what she said. In fact, you can clearly hear, when I say Dr. Bourne was a man who brought Rosie here, you hear this sound. Now, no one on my tour made that noise because that tour had a whole lot of scary cats on it, and most of those people would ran out of the building if they heard that physically with their ears. And then it moves to where I say Miss Rosa Carmichael was the one who is uh, having the children beat. You hear clearly, and it's go to fill in the blank. I don't know if I can cuss on the show, but basically telling me to go down under. Clear as day. Oh, to go Telling to me. Yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah. No, you're fine. You can say hell. It's no problem. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's cool. We appreciate, we appreciate you um, you know, trying to censor out. But yeah, that word flies. Yes. Yeah, that word flies around here. So you're okay. Okay. And if, <laughs> I still have ones. the recording. I listen to it ever so often. And I know that the only way that you get an, an exact reaction like that is you've said something that's true. Someone's just wow. basically telling you to shut up. Wow. So Def definitely a sign of an intelligence to it as well. That's not something that's just going to be a random pickup of a, a that's a very directed type of a, a emotion that uh, that's an amazing catch. I, I don't I wonder if the person that caught it realized how good of a catch that actually was. I don't think she did, because when I wrote her back and I said, I think it sounds like this. Listen to it again and, and try to hear it for what it's saying, not what I said. And she immediately said, you are absolutely right. I can't believe I missed that because she had thought maybe I might be lying about the history. So that's what she heard. But when I said it and I said, listen to it again, she had let other people listen to it. And she said, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what she's saying. Wow. Wow. That's great. That is a really good catch. I like that. So why, why, why don't I get any of the good catches like that? Huh? <laughs> Well, that, you know, that's a once in a lifetime thing because really, we haven't had as many great EVPs like that throughout the years. Wow. It's now, now, let me ask you this. In that particular area, area specifically, after that type of an event, 
do you still feel welcome when you go into that area or is there a was there a change in the way that everything felt when you were in there? Well, there's always that little shock because you don't want to be hated by anybody, but to be hated by somebody that you can't see, touch or discipline in any sort of way, that's a that's a little bit unnerving. But I have walked into that building and felt a very intense negative presence, whether it's an emotion that's left over, whether it's someone that's just physically focusing on me, trying to get me to leave the building. I'm not sure about that, but there are times where it feels as though you've walked into a very humid room and it's hard to breathe. Oh, wow. Wow. I've been locked in the cellar too. Oh, okay. Now, how, how did you get locked in the cellar? Uh, someone pushed the latch upstairs to lock Whoa. the door. But the great thing was is that the only other guide that was in the building was already locked in the dining room area. And when we finally were able to be let out of the cellar, because it took us calling someone to come and rescue us, because the man above us, the very guide that I'm talking about, did not hear us screaming his name we had to call someone on a cell phone to let us out. Man, I love that. That house has an – you get in a bubble. It's strange. You could be experiencing something and nobody else in the entire building hears it or you aren't hearing it, but everybody else hears that it's happening in the very room you're standing in. So it's very hard to, to figure out how they do this, but it's almost like she's not going to let – or whoever else might be the person who's controlling this is not going to let anybody hear you. Wow. And you can hear everything in that building. That's wild. That's like the house where no one can hear you scream. That's creepy. exactly that is. Creepy. And pound on the bottom of the floor below their feet to let, you know, because you can, you can hear when someone's hitting something down in the cellar, but they heard nothing. And that, that has happened to me a few times. Uh, fortunately, I've been with people who don't freak out, have not killed me trying to get out of the cellar, <laughs> right. uh, but uh, it's, it's happened too often for me to not recognize that it's not a coincidence. It's always me being locked in the cellar with my group. Wow. Do you take precautions now, knowing that happens? Do you just try to get the door open, try to prop it open, station somebody at the door? I'm not allowed to shut the door. <laughs> I've <Okay>. been told <laughs> by the management, I have to put a rock in front of it. But the very first time that I had been locked in, we initiated the rock rule to where it had to be in front of the door that would lock us in. Uh, several times after that event, the tours that I had, we would begin to leave the cellar and find that the door had almost shut, but the rock was in the way. It was keeping it from completely shutting and latching the door. So the rock had been pushed across the floor. The places that you give tours for, do y'all allow investigators to do overnight investigations for a fee or is that not the case? No, they do also allow two and four hour investigations. The reason why they're so short is because they are museums. So uh, at a certain time, they're going to be opened up again for the public for the daytime history tours and whatnot. So basically the two and four hours are the most that they'll do. It's uh, this year it's $200. You can have up to 10 people. We usually say 10 because it's so difficult when you have these groups that want to set up an event 
and bring in hundreds of people to the location. And they're uh, very hard to police at that point um, because a lot of people want to do their own paranormal events. So they find these locations that will rent to them and then they sell tickets to it. So we usually try to tell them, keep it small because it's so small. You're not, you're going to hear each other. You won't get an EVP. You won't get that chance. And on top of it, uh, that many people in one place, uh, it's very, I, I don't know if I would stay in a house if, if a hundred people walked in my front door, I'd walk out the back door. Yeah. I, I always, I'm, yeah. I'm, if it's the right person, one person can make me walk out the back door. <laughs> just honestly, just that's, honestly. That's true. Well, how big is the house that we're talking about? How large is it? Well, the, the orphanage is actually three stories. Uh, the third story was built in 1865 to house the children. Prior to that, it was a two-story building with a cellar, and it was a home. It was owned by a gentleman by the name of Captain Myers, and it became a headquarters for General O.O. O. Howard during the time of the battle, as well as a military hospital. Wow. Wow. So a lot of death from during the time of the battle, and then you're going to the orphanage. So much energy there. That has got to be a fascinating place to go through. I, I can't imagine. Are you still encountering new new experiences and new spirits as you go through giving your tours in this day? Yes. A new experience is always, it's hard to tell spirit-wise, because if people aren't doing recordings, trying to capture those EVPs, it's it's just one of those who could it be kind of thing. But as far as the experiences, we've recently on my own tours, once again, uh, it's that bubble. People who are only about 10 feet away from each other can't hear each other down there in the cellar. And then things have started to appear that we're not in the room. So we're dealing with the ports uh, that are showing up. And that has happened over the years, but it stopped for the longest time. I think it was because of the renovations that they did recently that they've stirred things up again. Yeah, yeah, it always does. That always does. Now, the two tours that you've talked about were the Gettysburg tour, uh, excuse me, the two tours that you've spoken with have been the Jenny Wade home and the orphanage. Mm -hmm. Are those the only two tours that you're doing? Um, Well, that's the regular walking tour. I actually do an encounter tour where I portray an orphan that's come back from the other side to tell the story of the orphanage. So it's a very dramatic tour, and I absolutely positively require audience participation when I do this. Really? There's, yeah, there's no to listening see. to stories. You're, you're going to be joining in. That's, that's what it's like. And when we're dressed up and we're acting out the history, a lot of times the experiences for those people are far more intense than just the regular walking tour. Wow. I would love that. I've never heard of that. That's such a great idea and, and a, a dramatized interactive tour. I love that. What do you call that tour? Is there a name for it, a specific place we can go to find information about it? It's called The Ghostly Encounter, and they do it in the Jenny Wade House and the Orphanage. If you go to the Orphanage, you could have Bella Hunter, which is my character, who was one of the orphans that was there from age 7 to 17, and she received horrible abuse. You could have Miss Rosa Carmichael. We actually have people who dress up and act like that horrible woman who beat the children in the house. And that's very intense because now you're running away from your ghost guide instead of following them. Um, And then in the Jenny Wade house, you could have 
Mr. Wade, who went insane and came back to find that his daughter was dead, or Mrs. Wade, who lost her daughter, or even um, Jenny herself. So we have those interactive tours that just take it that extra mile to tell you the history in a more emotional fashion. Yeah, and just just so you know, I not only do do I officially have the page for the paranormal investigations on the website bookmarked, five hours and twenty nine minutes, I can be there. So yeah, it's it's a coming. <laughs> I'm just fantastic. You, I'm, I'm going to be out there, man. I cannot pass this one up. Yeah, for me, sure, it's about sure. twenty five hours, but still, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, we that's, could we could that's fly just driving you. right. You yeah. could fly. Yeah, I could. I could fly. Yeah, when I get some time. <laughs> Do you not that, like? Well, that's the thing. I need to make a trip out there because Rob and I were talking. I really need to make a trip out there. There's a lot of great places here in the South and in Texas specifically. There's a lot of wonderful history in places. I mean, I'm in the Alamo City. You know, so many mm. battles in front of the Alamo alone. I think there's 11 battles in front of the Alamo alone. So downtown is wild. But I would love to go see the the East Coast and and you know. And, talk to some of the people we've had on the show, go on some of the tours. I, I'm dying to do it. So, you know, when it, when it happens, I'll probably put a whole bunch of Facebook posts and pictures and everything. So <laughs> our fans over at facebook.com slash show. Don't forget to add the word show at the end of that. Uh, you'll be able to actually see that when I eventually go on that. But in the meantime, that's just a place to go for new show information still. So, But, yeah, I really need to go <laughs> take a look at that, though. The, the ghost it, it, we would have so much fun out here, man. You've got to come out. You and I get together. I can bring a few key members of the team, and we can just go knock some ghosts, man, have some fun with it. And, <laughs> knock uh, some ghosts. Knock some ghosts, man. We, we can do we can do Ramsdale. I, I know I can get it. We can try try to get a night at Moundsville. I mean, we we can really make an event out of it for for us. And um, you know, we could definitely do a show or two about the experiences there, and maybe have some of the uh, people back on that we've had before to talk about you know things that happened while we were there. And I think it would be a great trip, man. I yeah. think you'd enjoy it. If I'm you driving, really if I drive up, then I can bring a whole bunch of studio equipment so we can actually have a live broadcast there. But uh, one thing I definitely would want to do would be to go on this, the, the dramatized tour with the ghost encounter. That sounds so awesome. Kendra, how much is it to, to go on that tour? That one is, I, I believe if I remember correctly, that one's only $12 to go on that tour. It's about an hour and 30 minutes at the most, you spend uh, time outside and then you spend the rest of your time in the house with your ghost. Around what time does the tour start? Oh, they can do it anywhere from 7 all the way up till 10. So it just depends. We have regularly scheduled tours, 7 and 8 through Monday through uh, Friday, I believe, is what our standard tours. And then we have specialty tours Friday and Saturday and and. So pretty much I post my schedule every two weeks because I have people constantly asking me uh, if I'm going to be available to them when they're coming to town. Uh, but you can see that schedule on, on that website and see what's available to you. That is outstanding. That is outstanding. And just to let people know, if you're listening to the audio version only, it is going to be GettysburgBattlefieldTours.com. That's all one word. That's GettysburgBattlefieldTours.com slash ghostly images. And that's ghostly hyphen images. And uh, definitely recommend taking a look at that. Really awesome idea for the ghostly encounter tour, by the way. So bravo on thinking of that one up. That's a fantastic way to really draw people in because all too often we, we hear stories, we're walking around, 
Yeah, we've heard a ton of stories, but adding that extra layer of drama, that's fantastic. Like it. Well, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the third member of, of our uh, dynamic little troop here, uh, the wonderful, talented, and amazing Reverend Robin Marie, um, she's actually used that type of a period set up before in investigations and have had some very amazing results based off of it. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine that that probably does at least stir a reminiscence for the spirits that are there and does bring them out a little more in force, I would say. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like when you hear someone telling a story that you were a part of and suddenly you want to be involved in it again and you join in on adding in the the facts and everything that's going on. So I believe that the spirits, those that are still trying to communicate with us, that is not the ones who are running away from us, uh, right. the right. ones that truly want us to know, they're, they're going to put their two cents in and and it has happened in Gettysburg, out on the battlefields and in these houses to where people will be contradicted on recordings because of something they said. Wow. It's, I was just about to ask you about that. Um, on the tours themselves, if somebody like myself that comes in that is an investigator and they're even if they're just doing the daytime tours, is there any um, rules or regulations to the locations that prohibit the use of uh, flash photography or audio recordings, things of that nature? No, audio recording and flash photography is, is okay. The only thing that the management asks is not uh, to videotape an actual tour right. just because we want other people to come on the tour. So right. that's the only reason why. Right. But as far as recordings, that's how we hear some of the most amazing EVPs is because someone took the time to be, bring their recorder and asked us, of course. And there have also been times where some of the guides will allow that person to ask a question because the people who are on the tour, they're interested as well. They want to know, is the activity going to happen right when they're there or is it going to be quiet and they'll only hear stories? So sometimes having someone such as yourself that's an investigator uh, interacting on the tour is a great thing for them as well. It teaches them uh, what to look for when they go on these tours. It's almost like you, you yourself being an investigator going on a ghost tour might be inspiring other people to become paranormal investigators. Yeah, totally. We've actually, we actually had that happen, believe it or not, at Moundsville. It was so funny. We went in uh, doing, during a, a tour of the uh, psych ward because they actually had a, a, a place in the medical lab where they had two cells. And when we walked in, the cell rattled, and I, I, I know neither of you have got to be, you know, officially in there, but um, it, it, they're, they're very, very heavy, and uh, the, the bars actually rattled, and I just, wow. I guess, instinctively stepped up. <clears throat> I said, if, if you did that on purpose, can you please do it again? And everybody else just starts looking at me like, what, you know, what is this? And <laughs> sure enough, they rattled again. And I started to do a kind of miniature EVP session because we're in, in part of the tour. And I'm like, well, I have a recording device. If you have something you'd like to say to us, please do. And everybody was just stone quiet. I didn't have, you know, you, a lot of times you would picture having to say, everybody hush, you know, listen. But no, everybody was just stone quiet. I did not get an EVP, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, we had two very positive in here. So you're right. It does have an effect when you have experienced investigators in there that can step up. And it does seem to enhance the brothers that are on the tour. So I always recommend when investigators go out to these places, wear a team shirt or something of that nature. And if it's okay with the, the staff, of course, always check with them first. But uh, be interactive with anything that happens out there because it can make somebody else's tour uh, something that they'll never forget. 
Definitely. Definitely. Now, you're still actively investigating outside from these tours. Is that right? Yes, I am. And I a, a lot of times I more freelance with other teams uh, because I tried having my own team and it's a lot of work. It's just it's you got to it's like hurting cats sometimes. <laughs> you got to keep everybody inside involved working, you know, so what that we can analogy. all be a team. That is but, the um, best analogies I've ever heard for it. <laughs> I, I do have my own team and it literally becomes a second career that you don't get paid for. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. no, you got to love it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has that and a herd of cats. He has both. So he can totally, <laughs> he can totally he's well prepared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, so do you, you said you have your own team that you actually run or are you just freelance? I had a team. I had a team. We oh, were okay. all the guides at ghostly images and we got to go into the houses and other places and investigate. And we helped, um, some, private ones as well, but they were ones that we felt okay doing. We completely followed all the rules with interviews and all that stuff. So, but uh, they're ghost tour guides. Uh, A lot of times it's hard to get them away from the building that all the activity is happening in. So (laughs) it just kind of, you know, okay, we'll just hang out in our own town, Gettysburg. And (laughs) if we can, we'll go other places. And they freelanced with other teams as well. So, we're still all doing that, but I, I recently uh, had a friend who opened up a electronics store in Gettysburg just this year. It's called the Gettysburg Ghost Exchange, and Stephen Barry and Pamela Barry are the ones that are there probably 24-7, but they started getting me involved with other investigations that they were doing because... They're also a part of Paranormal After Party, which has a, a show on, I believe it's Fox 43 for them. But they pulled me in because I knew a lot about Gettysburg. I would do the hard work, look into the history, dig up the all the facts that other people couldn't find, go to the historical society, things like that. So they dragged me in because we, we just all have fun together. And we ended up going to the Daniel Lady Farm for the first time. Uh, this was uh, July 2nd. And this place is not a place that gets investigated a lot because they have a a preservation board that keeps track of it. Not a lot of people are allowed out there, but we were allowed out. And I have to tell you, uh, if anybody went there and had the experiences that that we had for the very first time, they would be hooked. They would be stuck. They would never leave Gettysburg again because it was truly – one of those places that I walked into expecting nothing to happen because I didn't want to have that expectation and being so blown over by the experiences that I want to go back again. And, and they're going to be doing it again, um, I think, uh, on the 16th this weekend. That's awesome. What kind of experiences did you have when you initially went there? Uh, initially, I oh, when I walked into the barn, this barn is, uh, of course, the history of it was first used by the Union Army, and then they would move to Benner Hill, not far from there, and then the Confederates would move in and take over the area. It would become a military hospital in the barn for uh, your regular soldiers, and then any of your officers would be taken into the house. Uh, so when we walked into the barn, I just wanted to connect with you know, the everyday man. I wanted to know what it would be like to be in this barn waiting 
to have assistance or waiting to leave or what it would sound like. And the first thing that happened to me was overwhelmed with the sound of horses running by. It was just so clear. I know what horses sound like. I grew up on a horse farm, uh, but to hear them, it just overpowered me. It was like you're stepping through the veil into a moment of the battle, and that's what you hear. You hear the horses charging. Uh, We felt the intense sickness back in the surgeon area and what they call the dead room where they place the bodies after they've died. Uh, Feelings of being touched, EVPs, and they use different equipment, a lot of paratronics, a lot of the stuff that the electronic store has, um, and they were able to field test it with people who have investigated before and your average family who's never had an experience who got to go out there with paranormal investigators from all over that have different ways to investigate. And it was just, we're still going through the evidence. Uh, it's just one of those things. It's just, that, that is uh, where do you start? Yeah, that's an electrifying yeah. experience to have all that knowledge and all that experience one place and being able to jump into it and having newbies along too. That's great. I love that. I love oh, that. Yeah, the Austin family, they came from, I believe, Ohio. I hope I'm saying that right. They were so open and so willing to do anything that you could tell them, okay, talk. And they would just start asking questions. They were just intrigued by the equipment that was reacting to the questions and the pictures and things that were captured. Wow. wow that's, that's so amazing. fantastic. So uh, help me, help me out here because I'm, I'm listening and, and I apologize if you mentioned it before, but how will, is, are people able to go on to the, to the farm, to uh, Daniel lady farm to, to investigate or how does that work exactly? You can go during the day to hear the history, but as far as investigations, there are only a few teams that have been allowed out who are in charge of watching the investigators. They don't have anyone that's just out there setting up investigations, and they have to clear it by the board uh, for the Preservation Society. We physically are giving... Uh, huge chunks of money to the farm for preservation by only investigating the grounds in the barn. We do not go into the house because the house is uh, more historic because it has blood in the boards there. You can actually see the blood stains of men who had been laid on the boards in the front room of the house. Wow. So we literally told them, and this is what we're about, We want to investigate. We want to get the experiences, but we want to preserve the Daniel Lady Farm. And the money is going to preserve that. So to me, it is the best of both worlds to be able to do that, to take people out, to give them the chance to communicate, to find out what is it about this location that has these instances occurring and to also give back. And it's just so great to to let them know that, their money is going to the farm. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. It's always good to support history, to, to fund and to absolutely. keep that history alive. That's vital. And it's great whenever you encounter a team that's working towards that goal. So thank you on behalf of all the history buffs out here for keeping that place alive and helping do so. So that's wonderful that, you're, that that's one of your goals and, and that you're doing that. That's great. Yeah, it, well, it, it's a good feeling. 
Now I can imagine. And now George actually asked a question. I apologize for kind of throwing this in there, but I do want to get this question in there. We're going to, coming up in the last 13 minutes of the show, if you can believe it. But George asked, <laughs> wow. has she ever ha- had anyone had to stop anyone from being rude during a tour? As far as people asking questions for EVPs, which is actually a good question. You yeah. met that rude person? Well, I did, but I think I want to say that she really wasn't rude. I think she was just young and excited. I had been in the showcase area again, which was the dining hall, and I had discussed a young man who used to assist Miss Rosa in beating the children. Mm. And this young lady wants to engage in that. Um, let's just call it an aggressive spirit. And I didn't think anything about it when I turned out the lights and she said, can I ask a question of the spirits? I said, certainly you can ask a question just give them time to answer. The first thing out of her mouth was, why did you beat your sister? She just has to have that negative question talking to Richard and I thought, okay, uh, I, I even said, oh, way to call out the, uh, the angry boy. Uh, maybe you want to ask a question that's a little bit more positive so that we don't instigate. And then she would say, did you use a stick? Uh, okay, okay, all right. right we need to bring this back. <laughs> yeah. We need to not keep going with Richard. Let's, <laughs> let's go somewhere else. And finally, it was just. Uh, I said, okay, last pictures, lights are coming on. Just had to interrupt her because she just wanted that boy to come out and beat somebody. Wow. Wow. Now, any response at all, whether it be audible or visual, anything at all? Actually, yes. (laughs) Uh, Strangely enough, uh, they were sitting closest to the area that we know uh, strange photos have been taken that we have suggested are Richard because he usually holds a stick or a pipe in one hand hand usually is right because he's missing part of his left arm and yeah we don't know how that happened but we do know that he was a one-armed boy and as she's saying these questions the father suddenly jumps up and races to the other side of the room and for me this is normal we have people who immediately get uncomfortable and just jump up and move We usually tell them to move slowly so they don't harm themselves or anyone else. But it's common to have someone just suddenly just move away from the area. And at this point, when I asked him if he was okay, he says, no, I am not okay. Someone had just taken their finger and swirled it across the top of his bald head. And that sensation to him was too personal. And the other thing that happened at the same time, because he jumped up and moved away, which caused everybody wanting to go to the area he had exited, because he felt an experience, we've got to be there. The temperature dropped so phenomenally that people were seeing their hair rise up on their forearms just in that spot. There was no air conditioning on. There was no open windows, no breeze to blame it on. Just right where that man is and right where she's engaging the aggressive spirit in questions that would be more challenging, something I wouldn't want. Right. So it was pretty, pretty impressive. So, I wasn't like too upset it. with her. I mean, she did cause a lot of fun on the tour, but <laughs> just so that's why I don't want to call her rude. <laughs> yeah, but wrong way to go about it. Now, what was her uh, reaction to the entire series of events that unfolded? Because of oh, her she didn't content? want to leave. 
She <laughs> she still wanted to talk. She wanted her dad to get picked on. <laughs> She's like, sounds hey, like one of my kids. Yeah, not me. Yeah. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's usually that. You know, it's it's better if it's not me. It's better if it's the person sitting next to me, so I can laugh at them later. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. So, That's how many funny. spirits do you have? Have you identified there? Uh, well, we do happen to know of four children that we've had experiences with. The most common is Tommy. He's a little boy that used to be chained down in the cellar. Um, Bella, my character, they've discussed things with her and had experiences happened after they've been conversing. Sarah and Emma, and I believe that's the four that we know of for the children. Um, we've had a lot of people who've come in and asked us names of the children. Unfortunately, we only have the 1870 census. So we only know a very few amount of children that came through that building. So the possibilities are out there when they do ask us that. But the others would be Dr. Bourne, Rosa Carmichael, and Richard Hutchinson. Those were the three that are the most aggressive. They caused pain during the time of the orphanage. And they, uh, as I can attests are still trying to do it to this day. Wow. wow. So we do have those spirits that are known at the orphanage. What about the ones that are known over at the Jenny Wade? Like, what do you know of there, if any? Uh, oh, yeah. Mr. Wade. That's a big one. Mr. Wade is the father who went to Eastern State Penitentiary for stealing. He was there for two years and went insane. Oh, wow. When he came back to Gettysburg, not too long after, he sent to the almshouse, which is the uh, for the poor and the insane, and he would be committed there. And he would stay there during the battle, and his daughter would die. Uh, they believe he came back to the house out of shame, and he still wants to protect his daughter. There's also Mrs. Wade, Georgia, her sister, who actually lived in that house when her sister died. Mm-hmm. And then a baby, baby Lewis. And then, of course, the family who lived on the other side of the house because it was a duplex. I, I would say that we have more known ones at that location um, due to the fact of the history that we have and, and the names that we can call out and converse with. Wow, that's, a, that's, a, that's quite a, a gathering of, of Absolutely. names that you have there. And, you that, and that has to be an, an exceptionally active location, too. I mean, to have that many identifiable spheres because – his, his story, I guess uh, I'm making a synopsis based off of the history that, that at least that I've seen. But mm-hmm. normally you have some transient spirits sometimes that will pass through a location. But to have that mm-hmm. many stable spirits in one location is kind of – it's actually very rare. I think what it is is because of the time it was in and the emotion. I mean emotions are the things that tie us to our memories. Mm-hmm. We remember that wonderful smell of our mom's cooking on Christmas morning. So we remember the Christmas. We remember that horrible feeling we had when someone in our family died and that emotion ties us. So I think that when it comes to Civil War history and the emotion that those battles caused for the living and the dead because they believe that they're stuck there, that they can't leave, that's really the main thing why we have so many yeah i agree i think i'm going to agree with that yeah absolutely you have not only that but you have the orphanage when you have children that are just in a being abused and in a horrible place Mm -hmm. 
which I don't even want to think about. It makes me just filled with anger and sadness all at the same time for those children that were there, especially being the father of a child with, with the disabilities, just thinking about what they did to disabled children back in the day sure. in asylums. It's, yeah. it's just maddening and just so anger and frustrating. But, um, uh, the last place I want to ask you about, uh, first off is, is the, uh, the, the farm, uh, that you were referring to the the wow I Daniel suddenly, Lady Farm. Thank you very much. I suddenly blanked on the <laughs> Daniel Lady Farm. See, I told you two or three times yeah, a show yeah, he's right. happens. So at the Daniel fantastic. Lady, <laughs> I'm glad that you could be a part of that. But at the <laughs> at the Daniel Lady Farm in Gettysburg, do you have any name spirits there that you've been able to identify? Um. Well, actually, not not that I know of from other people's mm-hmm. accounts. I did not get names. I got. Uh, we use something called the phonopod. It's almost like a um, you can increase the sounds around you so it amplifies everything. And when I was using that in the back of the barn, what I was getting was that last breath, that long, what I would call the death rattle. Oh, and wow. I heard it several times and I made sure that I was not using the phonopods when someone was near me so that I couldn't blame that on them. But it happened, and it was always back there. So for me, I have not quite gotten any names, but I hope to uh, put that up when I do my comprehensive report to get people to come to this place. That sounds amazing. Is that a paranologist device? Yes, yes. Well, yes. We've had, we actually have, uh, we love paranologies here. We actually had the designer uh, on uh, to talk about his, his equipment here on the right. show. As well. So, yeah, I instantly recognize Phonopod. I'm like, that's a Paranology's name. You could just tell. Yeah, isn't it awesome? <laughs> I've yeah. got to get some of their equipment. I have to. Uh, they've got some of the things. Their periscope, their 360 periscope is one that's definitely on yep. my uh, We have my that wish too. List. Oh, I can't wait. When you go out to the Gettysburg Ghost Exchange, when you come out here, you guys go there. Mm-hmm. They will let you use some things that you rent it and you go to use it. So, you get to know how to use the equipment, which is awesome. You know what's funny? This website that you referred to earlier, the Gettysburg Ghost Exchange, it's just spelled right out, GettysburgGhostExchange.com. Uh, if you go there, I think y'all actually have a wider array of Paranologies equipment than the Paranologies website itself. That's- I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. I was, I'm looking at it. They actually have a really good uh, set of – they have a large illuminator, small illuminators, guys and gals out there in the ghost hunting community. Check out the Gettysburg Ghost Exchange. It's funny. I'm sending you to Gettysburg Ghost Exchange, even though I'm in Texas and he's in Texas as well. Uh, you really need to check these out because these are a really good array of equipment. Uh, I actually have the binoptic camera that he developed, the side-by-side oh, full, wow. full spectrum and natural light uh, camera system he set up, which has worked, worked out really well for me. I also have the... Uh, one of the periscopes as well. So I, I really, he calls it, I think he calls it the anomaly cam now. So the anomaly cam is what I have. And then, I like that. Yeah. And then the other one. So I, I really enjoy Paranologist's equipment. It's a really good piece of uh, a set, uh, really well designed as well. I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Well, we're going to be using that equipment and more when we do our big event, the haunts um, Baltimore Pike with Brian Cano from Haunted Collector, Stephen K. Berry from Paranormal After Party, and then myself going into the Hall of Presidents and the Orphanage all in one night for four hours of investigating. Really? When is this going to be happening again? July 30th. On July 30th. And how can we learn about the results, or is there any way we can follow along, or any any way we can join in or jump in? 
Um, I'm not sure if they're going to do live, but we definitely will have a uh, basically what I always do. Anytime there's a big event, I'm going to list what happened, where, and who was there. So we're going to have that. And, of course, everybody who is there hopefully will list all of their evidence and whatnot. And it'll definitely be listed uh, through Gettysburg Ghost Exchange because they also do a podcast every other Monday there and they talk about all the paranormal stuff. So I'm pretty sure they're going to be talking about it. Okay. So we can find additional information after July 30th, sometime after July 30th, because it does take a lot of time to go through data and evidence. So uh, after July 30th, the Gettysburg Ghost Exchange, hopefully we'll have some good... uh, 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 information and, yeah. and some good evidence from there. I want to keep, oh, I'm going to have to keep in touch with that. Sure, listen, sure. Listen. And we still have some tickets available if anybody wants to go. So if you want to drive, <laughs> come on out. I know. Should. <laughs> and where do you get the tickets? Is it just the Gettysburg Ghost Exchange? or Gettysburg, Gettysburg Ghost Exchange, yep. Give them a call and they'll take care of it. And they'll tell you everything that, that's going to be involved. We're going to be giving away a piece of paranormal equipment worth over $140. And then from me, you're getting something special from the orphanage. Yeah. Oh man! And you get you get to take home your own ghost orphan. It's great. Sure, <laughs> you'll probably be bringing them back. <laughs> how much are they? What's the return policy on spirits? Now, uh, what is the? How much are the tickets? The tickets are ninety nine dollars uh, plus tax, but you're getting two hours in the hall of presence, two hours in the orphanage, one on one time with Brian Kano with his new his uh, three pillars game, freebies in town, and of course. Uh, we'll be doing the the drawings, and the most valuable investigator will be listed. So you get the props for that with investigating all with all these people. That'd be amazing. I want to go. I want to go. Ah, uh, July thirtieth, twenty days. Can I do that? I don't know. I don't know. I you can to, do that. Come on. I have to hash it out. I'm gonna have to think about it. <laughs> you know what really Forget what really bites about that for me? <laughs> I, I'm actually going that weekend. I'm actually going to be in Baltimore. You are. Yep, and I'm picking up my my stepkids, so I'm not going to be able to come up. And I just oh, wish I could. That would be so such an amazing trip. But uh, wow, you talk about dangling a carrot, or in my case, a candy bar in front of the fat kid again. That's a, that you did it. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm glad I dangled that carrot because maybe you'll come up faster and feel free anytime you want. Bring the kids. I love scaring them too. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it sounds like that would be a fun trip for the whole family to take, believe it or not. I mean, it, that does sound like just an amazing night for sure. Oh, yeah. We, we plan to have fun. And, we pl- uh, you know, this is the first of many events. So you'll get in on one of these things. Fantastic. Well, you know, guys, as much as I hate to do this, we're at that time. We have blown through two hours amazingly quickly. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you told us about the, these events that, you know, we're going to have links, of course, to the website and everything, uh, not only with the show, but on our, uh, our page. Um, but Kendra, I will ask you to stick on Skype with us for a few more minutes. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get our wrap up going here, but Jason, what, what can I say outside of fantastic guest, amazing show? And I honestly think that she showed us up with how well she speaks I and <laughs> I know, I, it's but it's a learning experience It's a learning. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to learn from this. Kendra, we will, we will, we will improve. Her, let's not have her on again. She made us look bad. No, I'm just kidding. No, she's not. Uh, also, I just want to do, throw a few things out there in the chat room. John Cole said they accept PayPal as well. And he'll also be in Gettysburg that weekend. So it'd be great to also talk to another one of our chat room members. That'd be awesome. But uh, thank you so much for participating in the chat room, guys. We love our chat room right now. There's only uh, John 
cool George Aguilar and the real Kim Shady uh, that's actually in the room right now. But we want to thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you, all of you listening out there in podcast land as well, all around the world. We appreciate you. We love you. And we thank you so much for tuning in. And a special thank you so much for Kendra Belgrad tonight. Thank you, Kendra, for coming out. You're awesome. We appreciate you. Definitely, definitely. definitely. All right, well, I guess that will make it a wrap. So uh, for our wonderful guest, Kendra Belgrad, for Jason Olivo, my name is Rob Henry. I want to wish you guys a fantastic night, a very blessed rest of your week. We'll be back at the same time next week with another show where we look into the other side. So everyone have a wonderful week. Good night. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.